Thanks for listening to another episode of The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling. I'm the host. I'm also the founder of The Giving Church, thegivingchurch.com, which sponsors our podcast. My guest is, the reason I'm bringing him back, he's our first one to have a repeat on the podcast because it's so important, the, the subject, the conversation. And it's Brett Andrews. Brett is the senior minister, the founding minister at New Life Christian Church in Chantilly, Virginia, which is kind of in the shadow of Washington, D.C. and everything that happens, that epicenter of government. And we're going to be talking about the virus that's going around the world, uh, the coronavirus, and how that's affecting congregations that are having to close, not have services, have reduced services, opportunities, how you make those decisions. New Life is a large, growing church. They literally have an athletic ministry that 500,000 people a year go through. So how do you deal with all that? And I know a lot of you listening are wrestling through those same issues. So my guest today, Brett Andrews, New Life Church in Chantilly, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Giving Leader Podcast. And I'm Phil Ling, the host and also the founder of the Giving Church, who sponsors our podcast. Here's here's the thing today. Um, just like you, I am am homebound. Uh, I've canceled my flights, and I'm not flying around the country sitting by people and letting them sneeze on me or me sneeze on them. And everybody is watching the news and listening to the news and trying to figure out what to do. And in church world, we are blessed to have thousands of you listening to our podcast. Many of you lead ministries and churches, and you're all trying to figure out how to do what you do. How do we navigate this long term? We don't know if it's two weeks, four weeks, two months, three months. We don't know what's going to happen. So I thought it would be helpful while we're all stuck at home is to be able to have some content talking with folks that are also dealing with the same issues and struggles. So I reached out to a good friend, Brett Andrews. Brett's been on the the program before. Brett is the founding minister of New Life Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia, which if you know geography, Chantilly is like seven miles from Dulles Airport. It is one of the the burbs of folks that work around Washington. And he has a large growing church. They have a ministry in zone, which is a sports ministry that literally has thousands of people a year going through their, or a week going through their facilities. And I wanted to see what Brett was doing in navigating this whole thing. So to give you a little background, those that are listening, I've got clients all over the United States and every state's governor is operating a little differently. So I've got clients in, in Ohio that immediately were told you can't have groups of over 100 that are together. And so they were making decisions. Are we going to meet, not meet? Are we going to try to do smaller group settings? Kind of like those restaurants you heard on the news that for a while thought they would take half their chairs out and spread everybody out six feet, but they'd still be open. And that didn't work for most of them. Um, and then I have those that canceled. I have those that honestly just went into last Sunday like, hey, it's normal. We're just going to do what we always do. And one worried me a little bit because it's an elderly populated church. And I'm like, I, you know, might give that some thought. Uh, but I know Brett, because of where the church is, because of the size and dynamics of the church, and because of their sports ministry especially, all those things would have to navigate through this process. And Brett is a thinker. He's a guy that thinks through things, doesn't just operate from the seat of his pants. So he's our guest. And then we're just going to chat about coronavirus, church, uh, making the right decision. And uh, let me say this before I ask Brett the first question. I have a pastor, good pastor, at a good church that did not cancel anything. And his theory was um, God knew about the virus before we did. 
So this is not a surprise to God. And we're going to continue to do what we do. Now, I don't know if he'll do that next week. That was last week. So we'll see, you know, the, everything gets updated constantly on the news last night. It was, it was, you saw what happened in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, they're shut down so much of everything, uh, banning groups of bigger than 10 in some places. So Brett Andrews from the, the confines of his underground bunker in Virginia (laughs) (laughs) is with us. Brett, how are you? I'm doing great, Phil. Is there a problem you're saying? I haven't heard about this before. <laughs> you, you didn't even know about this. See, <laughs> what, What's funny, and people don't know, is that Brett and I were just together recently in Orlando for Exponential, and we were doing workshops with uh, on the pre-contract with uh, church planters. But he had just returned not too long before that from a mission trip to Nepal and India and all that, and self-quarantined himself. When he came back, so not to infect his grandchild, which is a whole other story. Uh, and now everybody's quarantining. So you started a trend. There you go. It's actually, um, it, it, it's probably actually related a little bit in that I, it helps me. I can understand people who find a rational reason, a rational need to be cautious. I'm actually still quarantined. What you didn't know, Phil, was. Um, I stayed over to preach in Orlando, and on Friday night, I went to visit an old friend, um, George and Leslie Bennett. George and I have been friends since we were in diapers, and and Leslie is on the executive team for a large Baptist church there in West Palm, and as we're sitting there at dinner, Leslie gets a text saying somebody on their staff— that she had just been exposed to that day, just got back from Colorado and just discovered that somebody in Colorado that they this person had been with had posted, t- tested positively for the virus. And so, and so that person didn't have the virus. Leslie didn't have the virus, but because I have a grandson who could be paralyzed permanently or die if he got the virus. Um, so I've been waiting for several days and I was planning to go back tomorrow, actually home, planning to go home tomorrow. But then I found out that our drummer uh, from Sunday w- got sick and had to go to the hospital. And so I'm like, okay, I need to find out what he has. So, I am a, I'm a single, I'm, I'm, I'm like Abraham, stranger living in the not so promised land. <laughs> well, okay. So I don't want to, I do want to give a little texture and backdrop to this because I do think you're a good guy to, to talk from multiple levels for this, but you have a grandchild that has, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but it's an autoimmune among other things issues, right? Well, it's a, it's called GA1. Um, if he, he, he can, if his, Protein levels get too high. The result is permanent uh, brain damage, paralysis, and death. One of the things that can drive your protein levels high is fever, and so that's the that's the the issue. It's he he. It's not necessarily autoimmune, but if he gets sick, the 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 results are tragic. Okay, so only so 140 whole, children whole, in America have it born with okay, it every year. Okay, so I, I want the, our listeners to hear that. So, this is a pastor of a large church with varied ministries that touches thousands of people, and as he's navigating through how do we do this coronavirus government mandate stuff, 
he's got the backdrop of a grandchild that is very, very susceptible to these and, issues. And who lives, and because of his condition, he lives with us. He and his parents live with us. It helps them. And so that's why, I mean, my wife was texting me this morning just about her concern. You know, she wouldn't be as concerned about this situation if it weren't for him and, and for her elderly right. So, okay. So, so in the context so, of all this, it's good to be, I appreciate the, the appropriate caution that people are taking. Okay. So lead me through your thought process as a church staff leading up to Sunday and then also the decisions that you make. Yeah. The first thing I would say is I've actually been really impressed uh, as we have listened to what a lot of churches are doing in response to this. Um, uh, Bridgewater, I think it is church. I was looking at their website today and they have a whole list of things that they responses and wisdom and have Bible studies at home. And it's just like, it is amazing. And what to do with children, you know, like children's studies. And it, I really have been impressed by how a lot of churches have responded to this so quickly. So our process has been, um, a, a couple fold. First of all, uh, it's don't overreact to the emotion of the moment. And that's not to diminish the seriousness of the situation. But um, when I was in college, my, um, my parents separated, and it was a really difficult time. And um, just for context, because since people know Bob Russell, um, some people know Bob Russell. Roseanne Russell is Bob's older sister. And she knew what I was going through. And so she got on the phone and gave me a call. And, and as we were talking and she listened, she said, Brett, in times like this, everything gets accelerated and exaggerated. And so she was basically saying, slow down. Don't let your perspective get too distorted. Take a breath and try to see things from the bigger picture. See what the facts actually are. I have leaned on that wisdom so many times, but this is one of those times that I've thought, okay, everyone, you know, it's, <laughs> it's the Richard Kipling line. If you can keep your head while all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, um, you probably don't understand the seriousness of the situation is how some people answer that. But um, the, how do you keep your head when everybody else is going out? The first thing is you kind of step back. And I've, in the conversations that I've been having with our leaders, the conversations we've had, it's what are the facts, not just what are the fears. Um, for instance, I can understand politicians and medical people needing to be motivated by caution. It is only responsible for them to say, I have medical people and siblings, and, and they're always thinking, what is the safest thing to protect my patient? Or politicians who are motivated by both, you know, we want to do what's right, and we don't want to get criticized later on. That's right. not the motivation of the church, though. Um, the motivation of the church is not what's the safest thing to do. The motivation of the church throughout history, the historic church that's faithful to God has always been, how do we stay true to our purpose? And the church is different from the state in that way. And so, you know, I, um, the, I know every Sunday at New Life, there are people who show up because there's something at that gathering that they need in that gathering from those people and from God. And so 
it was important for me to keep that a priority. In fact, we did stay open Sunday morning. It was kind of cool for us because um, we had, we set up, you know, we had all of these chairs, but I think there was only one service. We had three services. I think there was only one service that we had over a hundred people in the service, which gave everybody a chance to have good social distancing. Um, um, the uh, there's a by the way there's a joke there's so many so much dark humor that can be found <laughs> in like so yeah, such a, you know social distancing I've always been for emotional distancing but there, <laughs> the um um and and so that was really cool but we had people that we had so many people say thank you for keeping this open I had a, and I had a man who's probably sixty years old say. I spend, I'm, 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 I'm single, I'm alone. I spend most of my time in front of the computer. I'm so, he said, my church shut down. I'm so glad that you all kept your doors open because I so need to experience God in the fellowship of believers kind of thing. And it was huh. like, okay, thank you, Lord. Everybody doesn't need that. Right. But there's some people, you know, we don't, we don't do, um, Anyway, but there are some people that do. And so my question continues to be, what does it mean for the church to be the church in this time? And so, so that was vital, and it was in compliance with, uh, with the spirit of what, the, of what the, the, the government was asking us to do. So, um, so that whole principle of keeping things in perspective and continuing to look at the facts. We have speculation, speculation, speculation. And, and as I think you alluded to earlier, you know, I, I was receiving emails from people saying, hey, this is not what they're telling you. This is what's going on. This is what they're communicating in our department. They're not communicating this to the public. They're not communicating this to the public. And of course, it's, and it's all fearful speculation, but it's still that, you know, and so I've been trying to stay, keep back to say, okay, so what are the, what are the facts and how do we take a next step forward based on the facts we know right now and based on what it means, like I said, to be the church. Let me stop and let you ask whatever your next question is. Okay. Well, no. Okay. So I want to just give some backdrop. So New Life's large church usually has three services on the weekend, uh, decided to go ahead and do it. People self-identify. So a fraction of your people came. You know, if you only had a, yeah. a hundred and one service, that's a fraction of your folks. Um, so they kind of self-identify. Um, is is that what you're going to do going forward? Yeah. And yeah, well, we were scheduled to meet last night uh, anyway, and um, and we were going to talk about what to do this week. We're we're going to take it a week at a time. But when the president got on and said no groups meeting over 10 we thought okay i guess this will i guess we will um make an adjustment to that so what we will do going on is first of all um i have we we did a a um a christmas eve service this past year where we recorded the first two services and then showed the better of those two services repeated those for the rest of the day and it just wasn't real. I just wasn't, I don't think it was as real. So what we're going to do, having learned from that, is um, we are going to do all three services this week. We are going to do them live. Um, 
We are going to encourage everybody to join us online. What, what I did in that email that you alluded to earlier was I told my story of Oliver and how we live in a, cautious, a germ-cautious family every week. And so I understand people being germ-cautious because that's wisdom and that's what you know, God would lead them to do. Um, but we also wanted to be available. We, we, we didn't want to close the doors of the church and make that choice for everybody else, for people who might need that for some reason. Um, so we, we left the doors open. So we will do that this week as well. We're going to say we encourage everybody to join us online. We're going to do uh, our live services every service and you know, and do this online, follow us online, do this, whatever. Obviously, we're not going to lock the doors. If people wander in, we're not going to encourage people to come on Sunday morning. But if people wander in, we're not going to say, you know, you're not welcome here. We'll pray with them. We'll take care of them, whatever their needs are. So that's our plan for going forward right now. And, and you you have for uh, several years developed a, a an online presence. So your people are used to that. Um yeah, we had, we had, we, we, we estimated, um, we, we did a survey Sunday to just get a general idea, a ballpark of how many people we thought would be online. Because like my family was watching, that would be six people, but then there were other people would be one people. So we, the survey seemed to um, indicate that there were about two and a half people um, per IP address. <coughs> which made, of course, for, um, you know, a, a lot, I don't know what a half person is, of course, you fill in your own joke at that moment. But so that, you know, so that gave us an idea of how many people we actually had participating on Sunday. And, and that was pretty cool, too. We had some great responses. Well, and I've heard of some other churches that, that, that literally were calculating they had more if you took the online presence and plus whatever they had in the facility and put it together. So it was like Easter, you know, they, they yeah. had a good number. Well, and if I would up the number to something dishonest, like <clears throat> five per IP address, we had an amazing set. We are now <laughs> like a mega, mega church. Here's the challenge though. Here's, here's the challenge, Mr. Generosity. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did in that email, as well as on Sunday morning, was to say there are three things that I ask of you, that we would ask of everybody participate in worship this week, get involved in some kind of group, either in your own home or online. And we've increased the number of our online groups. They hour long, we're very precise, but very effective DBSs. And then please sign up for online giving. This is a great time to sign up for online giving. Right. And, um, and we had three new people sign up for online giving. And I'm just, you know, I'm thinking, oh, what this, this just tells you what a great leader I am. You know, <laughs> people just can't resist my leadership. And so, um, so actually, yes, the other, another thing that we're doing is we're, we're doing daily video uh, devotionals. That's this specifically to help people through this time where like one of one that I did yesterday was on how the church has historically responded in times of disease and how ch the church historically has run to the disease, run to the voice of God to serve when everybody else runs away. Another one that I did was on 
um, you know, I, I, I saw the, when I saw the pictures of all the empty cities, I mean, pictures like you never expected to see in your lifetime, I immediately thought of the day that Jesus returns and everything stops. And so I did, I did a talk, I did a devotion on the return of Christ and the opportunity to have spiritual conversations with people. Um, I won't go into that anymore now unless you want me to later. But, but my point is, so we're doing a devotional thing every day to encourage people in this time as well. I forget where I was going with that. And so welcome to my mind. Well, well, it's really good. That's a good segue because one of the things I want to pitch on this podcast is we have another podcast coming out in a few days. And we're going to go through kind of the top 10 things you should be thinking about and doing as a church during this period. And that's one of them. So the, the, what I call the video blogs, the little encouragements, you know, you're being bombarded by the news every day. So where are we spiritually reaching out yeah. to our people? Well, and I remember the train came back to the station and, and, but, um, I intended in, at the end of each of those to say, hey, and this is a good time to sign up for online giving, but I forgot. And so Pat Ferguson, who is our, um, who's our executive minister that everybody loves and feels sorry for when he talks, is going to invite people. He, um, this is a great time to sign up online and here's how to do it and, you know, to walk it through and, uh, and you know, to encourage people to prayerfully do that. But I think it's a, this is a huge opportunity. If I can kind of share the vision that we have, um, as your friend said, this is not a surprise of God. Many of us have been praying for revival in the United States for years. And so I'm praying that this is a tool that God is going to use to bring about revival. And so we're thinking about okay, Lord, what are the different ways that we can nurture people, that we can grow people, that we can give people perspective? Right now, the idols that people have been trusting are shaken, and it's a wonderful time as those idols are being proven to be false to now help people see this is our solid foundation in Jesus Christ. And while everybody else lives in fear and terror, we really can have peace. We really can have hope. We And therefore, we can be the light of the world. Somebody, people have been quoting A.W. Tozer a bunch recently where Tozer said, a fearful world needs a fearless church. Right. And if I could just make one other point that if I can kind of fine tune that a little bit, I think one of the reasons people are so fearful is they're in reaction mode and they feel helpless. It's like, what's the next thing that's going to happen to me? But that's not the church. The church is to hear God's voice and to take action. And so we're not just victims in this situation. We are the church of God that he wants to use as his hands and feet in this time. And that takes us toward the, the you know, the army says, run to the sound of the guns. That takes us right into danger if necessary. And we're, we got to pray. God gives your protection. God gives your wisdom. God gives your strength. But... Um, but it keeps us from just being feeling like victims who are who are helpless and vulnerable in the middle of this difficult time. And last thing I'll say, maybe I've had too much coffee this morning. Um, I think that the virus of fear right now is greater than the virus of Corona. Oh yeah. You know, I think that we're going to find the, the emotional backwash from this or what's happening even right now in our churches as well as our individuals families and home um 
people are going to, are, are getting really, really shaken and the church needs to be the church. Uh, a couple, a couple last questions. One is I've alluded to the end zone, the end zone for those that are listening, uh, new life, uh, took a, a huge facility and restructured it. It was an Anheuser-Busch distribution center and put in athletic fields and indoor soccer fields, basketball courts, workout facilities, uh, you know, all those kind of things. And they literally have like 10,000 people a, a week on average going through using these facilities. And that's where the church is. So it gives them a safe place for unchurched people to come wandering in and all of a sudden, hey, New Life is a church that's doing this. Uh, what are you doing with the end zone during this period? Well, again, um, that's been a day-to-day. -day, uh, you know, you 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 make action, you take action, and then you plan contingencies, and then you change based on what's going on. Um, we had a we had one plan until about four o'clock last night, and then when the president came out and asked all gyms to close down, we said, "Okay, we need to um, we need to take action." And um, again, what's difficult about that is, um, you know, when you, you, we employ about a hundred people and most of them are, are hourly workers. Right. And it's really difficult to, to save your hourly workers. We have people from other places that have been just let go that are calling us to say, are you hiring still? And so um, the other thing that's difficult about that is obviously you're wanting to provide so that you want to be a safe place. Um, but uh, we have families that depend on us because of our childcare things. And so, and, and, and what we're doing with that. So what we decided to do last night was we closed down all of our group fitness, all of our group activities. Um, since we are a church, we're still, what we did was we called all of our parents that are using our children's activities to say, to basically say, we would, we are glad to do what helps you most and what you want to do. So we didn't just make a decision based on our own fear or whatever. And, um, and, and parents were like, we really need you because of our job situation or whatever. So we're still offering things as we would if we were a church, we're still offering things to children. Um, and, and, and candidly, if children were the ones that were being infected by the virus, we would take a different approach too. Right. right. Um, but um, so we're doing stuff for children. We're not locking the doors. If people want to come in individually and work out or something. Um, so that's kind of the approach that we've taken with that. The difficult thing. And I, I think the financial It'd be interesting to hear your perspective on this, but um, when we told some of our staff last night that we were closing, um, tears began to flow because, because they're afraid if we close, we're never going to open up again. And yeah, I, I've got Tim and I are working on a podcast that we'll do um, in a few days and we're gleaning from you people across the country and saying, okay, let's look at the best practices. Because as you know, if you go to thegivingchurch.com and download our book, I've been talking about the giving pattern changes in America and in the shaky financial ground that most churches are on. And so then you put throw in this, I believe that of the 360,000 churches in the United States, the overwhelming majority of them are rather small. 
that you're going to have within a matter of weeks, churches deciding whether they're going to lay off staff or pay mortgages. That it's, it's most churches are not, don't have a big rainy day fund, you know, don't have a, that, that built in mechanism. So how do you, uh, how do you drive your ministry and fuel your ministry financially with generosity during a crisis when you can't do the one thing that churches are known for, which is gathering together in these big groups. And it's like, okay, you're going to have to do it differently. So we're going to try to come up with about, we've got about 10 that we're working on here. Here's some good practices that our churches are doing. You're doing some already when you do the online stuff, which is huge. And we've been talking to our clients for years. You know, you're, you need to have at least half of your money coming online anyway, uh, before this, this, this kind of a thing happened. Uh, it gives you the opportunity, but what you can't do, and I'll just say this before we run out of time, what you cannot do is like get on, on online or do a little video blog or, or your services online and say, Hey, make sure you send your money in because you know, we've got to keep the doors open and pay people. Nobody cares. Um, what they do care is, is the church being the church? So my friend Albert Tate last week in California, when they did all theirs online, they meet cause it's in Southern California. They don't own facilities. They meet in, in uh, high school um, uh, performing arts centers and it's a large church, but you can imagine all the schools are closed. So, they're closed. You know, they don't have a choice. They're gone. So they did it online. And when he talked about the generosity piece, he says, let me tell you what I did. I sat down with the superintendent of the school system and said, tell me what the biggest needs are going to be during this crisis for your kids. Mm. And they came up with things and says, all right, we're going to help. And so then he talked to his people through the screen and said, I need your generosity because we want to be the church. And this is what we're going to do. I predict churches that are open-handed in their generosity that try to find ways to help people will have an abundance of generosity poured on them that will fuel their ministries, keep their folks. But if you go into it saying, Hey, you know what? we got to keep the doors open. Make sure that you send your tithes in because we've got to, to pay our staff or whatever. That's a scarcity thing that I don't think is going to work. I, I think it's like, okay, what is it that you do? What's your purpose? And, 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 and while, what you were just saying sounds <clears throat> primarily pragmatic. I know you well enough. It really is. What is God honoring? And are we trusting right. God? See, whenever we start doing the, the holding on to thing, which is the, just the exact opposite of Philippians two, we we're not being the church, but isn't it amazing how, when we do what Christ did, um, that that God then is honored and God provides. That's the thing that I prayed Sunday morning. I said, during all of our offerings, I said, God, I thank you that we don't depend on people for your church to be your church. We're depending on you. We're looking to you to provide for us. Now help us to be your church in this time. And that focus, I just think is so huge at this time. People, it's so easy to get distracted right now and to be reacting and so fearful. And it's like, no, we got to keep the focus. We are the church. What's it mean to be the church? Yeah, I, I, I think, and we're, we're running out of time, but I, I think what I'm going to stress when we come out with this next episode is, uh, and give examples, is be the church, be the generous church, be the fearless church, but don't do the math. Don't try to figure out, say, now, if I do this, these number of people will give this and we'll be able to make this budget. 
It's like, no, just be the church, but you have to have focus and purpose or people will look at you and say, in this time of crisis, why should I give you anything? You seem to be irrelevant. And it's a good time for ministers to admit they're stupid, you know, and just, <laughs> and, and um, honestly, and to say, I need smarter people than me coming up with ideas. So we have an elder in the church who is just really good with this stuff. And, and we have a finance team and just kind of go to them and say, Hey, what do we should do? And, and I, and this guy said, well, I'm going to go and talk to our finance people and the, you know, the people that are financing our mortgage and to say, this is what I propose. We need to keep, we, we, we've got to keep doing ministry. And if we can get this, that'll be great. And I'm going to go to, you know, he was telling me last night, if we can just get to this point, we're going to apply for one of those no interest small business loans that the government's offering. And, and again, it, it gives us a bridge to keep going. And I think that when it's like the stock market right now, if you have money, invest in the stock market because (laughs) we're going to come out of this thing and it's going to be amazing. So this is to see all the opportunity that God has for us here and not get wrapped up in what we, the fear that we see immediately in front of us. So get experts like you, for instance, and I'm not, I'm not just just saying this because it's you, but I'm not smart. Admit that you're not smart in this kind of stuff. Get experts that are smart and they'll come up with some really great godly ideas. Well, and, and to be a plug for, for our next episode, what I'm doing is this gleaning from everybody around the country that I know and say, okay, let's get some best practices. Who's doing what? You've mentioned some that some other churches are doing that we've come across as well, like programming for children while they're home and different things. So I, I think that that's true. But I, the last thing I'll say before we, we get off this episode is that it is time to be fearless in fearful times. And it is time for us to have purpose and direction as a church. And when you don't, that's when you're going to dry up and die anyway. Um, but I, I wanted to get you on. and I thank you for, for changing your schedule to do this quickly. Uh, because I knew that where you are geographically has impact as a church, the kind of church you are externally focused. You guys have been externally focused since you began everything from your old house in a box stuff that you did for people that are transitioning to going in the neighborhoods with the free ice cream truck. I mean, you guys have done some crazy stuff through the years and then your, your end zone that's reaching thousands and how you were dealing with this crisis, especially if you have a grandchild that has a special susceptible susceptible to these issues, mm-hmm. I thought was a voice that I wanted to get out there. So I thank you for coming on. Can I say one more thing? God sure. is still at work. One of the things that we've seen at New Life this year is we've had more baptisms per week than in the history of New Life. And so Sunday, I was thinking, kind of but going into it and even in the middle of it, I was thinking, with this low attendance, with this going on, we're probably not going to have the baptisms this week. And I actually asked a man who's been baptized already, if he would mind being baptized several more times in the coming (laughs) weeks, just so we could keep our rates up. And, um, and then I got home Sunday and I got a text saying, Hey, Natalie baptized her friend today. And I was just like, thank you, Lord. We are, our, our attendance at the meeting place was minuscule but you still led somebody to make a decision for Christ. And that is God at his best. And God's got to still at work through this. With that, we'll stop. Thank you, Brett Andrews, founding minister, New Life Christian Church, Chantilly, Virginia. Go check it out on the website. See what they're doing. Keep up with them. They are cutting edge. I'm Phil Ling, the host of The Giving Leader. Thanks for listening to us. 
and the founder of The Giving Church. You can go to thegivingchurch.com and get more resources. Stay tuned. We've got more podcasts coming out quickly where we're dealing with the crisis, trying to offer best practices from around the country, people that are, are dealing with it in their ministries and churches just like you are. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Brett. Brett's a great friend, always a, a hoot to have him on. And I know this is a hot topic in reality. This is something you're all dealing with. I've got clients all over the country that are trying to figure out how they conduct their ministries when suddenly you can't gather. It's not like 9-11 where everybody rushes to have a spiritual foundation after something tragic like a ter- uh, terrorist attack. This is one where we literally have to have a, a social distancing. So how do we wrestle with that? Well, here's something coming up. The next episode that we're going to talk together, which will be later this week, is going to be on this subject, and we're going to discuss the items that you as a church and as a ministry need to be walking through as you prepare over the next several weeks or even months on how to conduct your business and how to fuel your your ministry with generosity in a very fearful time. So make sure you stay tuned. That's The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling. Thanks for listening today.